amazing how God just prepares things. And so when Jackie's sharing there about the end, you know, I thought I knew things from the beginning. And, and this is what this next section we're going to look at, you know. So in your notes, it says, working towards, on page two, a predestined, finished plan. Okay? And this is something, like all things that we're saying, we need to get revelation on. So God is working towards a predestined, finished plan. Okay, So there is a picture here. It's of the end. It's of his intent. And before the foundations of the earth, it was finished. And this is why it's so critical we hear when the finished realm is declared rather than create our own. You see, the church doesn't need to come up with any strategy, any vision, any purpose. It's all here for us. And the very fact we do that takes us away from what's here for us. All we have to be able to do is hear and see it. We have to be able to hear what's spoken and see what's written. Hear what's spoken spiritually, see what's written spiritually. And all of a sudden this other realm opens up. There's my purpose. It's his purpose. And all of a sudden everyone starts aligning their life to the one purpose and then release that in a manifold way. And this is why it's so critical we have his mind because if we don't understand that God is working towards a predestined plan, a finished plan, we're probably going to be on the outside of it. So it says there's a race set before us, does it not? He's not setting the race. The race is set. So then I go, what's the race that's set before me? You see, we're going to look at scriptures that say, God is the God who declares the end from the beginning. So he sorts out the end, and the beginning is defined by the end. It's very simple then, isn't it? Like if you know where you're going, you get there. So if we're going to figure out how to get to Auckland... Right, That's the destination. The end is Auckland. The beginning is we map it out because we know our end. If we don't know where we're going, we end up in Hawke's Bay. And you may even think Hawke's Bay is Auckland. Or you never get to Auckland. Or you finally get there, but you're absolutely shattered because you went all around New Zealand, back to the South Island, spent time in the South Island, came up because you were just aimlessly travelling hoping to get to Auckland, but if you saw Auckland before you began, you hit Auckland. Now, how many days did it take them to get to the promised land? How many days should it take them? Eleven. Forty years, eleven. Because they couldn't see, they couldn't hear, because when it was spoken, they didn't profit them with faith because they couldn't hear, so they never entered into the promised land. They'd come through the great sea, they were come through the blood on the doorposts, but they never entered into the promised life because when Moses spoke, they didn't partner with faith, and so there was unbelief in the camp. And this is where unbelief kicks you, keeps you out of the promised land. Who's the promised land? 
Christ and the life that's in Christ. So we're not trying to take cities. We're not trying to take physical land. It's everything that's in Christ for you and I, which has already been predestined. So we have to know everything that's already in the Christ. Yeah? So God made it real simple. He took all these laws and the commandments, and this person called Jesus came along and he fulfilled it all. And he said, just get to know me and you'll know it all. But it's concealed within me. So everything you need to know is concealed within me, and I am the mystery that every hidden wisdom and treasure and knowledge is concealed in, Colossians 2, 2, 3. So we have to know that this is a finished work. We may not be able to see it, but it is present in him. Hence, we need all the giftings. We need to work as one. We can't pull against each other. We can't be fighting for position. We can't be fighting for gifting. We can't be fighting for ministry. We have to come emptied and then go, God, you show us what it all looks like so we can all play our part and work as one body, honoring one another, honoring the gifts on each other, understanding how it all works and flows. Cool? Some of you are like, okay. And this is why we need our minds renewed, eh? Because I'm not sure what you've been taught, but we need his version of himself. Because he's God, not us. And the connection between this co-earing relationship is so fine. And we have a role, but we need to know what our role is. And we need to know his role. Because we have an absolute role in the whole thing. But you get them around the wrong way, you get in trouble. Okay, so just in your notes, we're going to start with Hebrews 4, verses 1 to 3. It says, The believers rest. Therefore, let us fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we who have believed enter that rest, just as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. Massive scripture. The entirety of Hebrews 3 and 4 is massive as to what God's actually saying. And it's this challenge for us of understanding that before the foundations of the earth, it was all finished. And then we need to enter into this thing called rest. So I want to ask maybe these guys, I'll throw a little curly one on you. Um, Therefore, let us fear if we haven't entered in. What's the writer trying to make us aware of? Um, I feel like this this particular passage, eh, let us fear, it's, it has such potential for, once again, in all of these scriptures that we're looking at, to seem like an oxymoron or a paradox, hey, you know? We've just heard, you know, even Jackie was testifying about how we're not be in fear, and then we stumble across a verse that says, therefore, 
let us fear. <laughs> you know, or you read verses in, in First John, and he and he talks about there's no fear in love because perfect love casts out all fear because fear involves punishment. You know, and so you can think, man, like. Are we to fear or are we to not fear? Well, it's actually both, you know, and that there's, a, there's fear and then there's fear, you know. There's fear that is crippling and that holds you back and that binds you. And ultimately, in, in my mind, there's a fear that is self-centered that leaves you small and insecure and, and stunts your growth and stops you from moving forward. And then there's a fear that I believe is talked about here in, in Hebrews 4. It says, let us fear. It's a reverent awe that actually motivates and inspires and spurs you on. And it keeps the, the weight and the intensity without sending you down a dark, black, spiraling hole where you become so self-centered that you can't move forward, you know? It's an empowering, motivating, reverent awe that gives you a sense of the bigness and, you know, I think Paul says, behold the kindness and the severity of God, you know, and we have to know how to walk that tension and that tightrope, knowing that the reverent awe and the fear of God, but also not being crippled by the bigness of what it is that he's invited us to, you know, and to be honest, you know, like in this modern world, there's such a, a lack of reverent fear, you know, we're to have a healthy fear of our parents, you know. We're to have a healthy fear of our of our managers and our bosses because it, you know, authority is such a healthy thing. And you know, it talks about in the last days. One of the key signs that it says is that men will hate authority, you know. And so, to me, this this let us fear. It's that God has a predetermined plan for us. That if we are not in reverent awe of who he is and what he's invited us to, we'd have the potential to go off and live for our own purpose outside of his authority, outside of his predetermined plan. But fear, this reverent awe, this, this healthy fear keeps us um, focused on him and on track and it, and it keeps us in him, you know, as opposed to running off and, and doing our own thing, you know, so... There's such a need for this healthy fear of God to motivate and inspire and 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 drive us towards His His ultimate purpose. You know, I think too um, with the fear is that uh, God is really wanting us to take hold of you know can we actually see our true state and not in the fear as as, as the world would look at in the flesh we fear and as, as Sam has just said but in the spirit that Holy Spirit fear actually propels us forward, but uh, also they're looking at, you know, do we actually really know our true state? Because God is offering a promise here, and, uh, you know, we can often miss it because we're actually, we think we're in it, but we're not. And and that's really my testimony in so many ways, um, because when we first came to the rock, we thought, well, we knew we'd been Christians for quite a long time, and we thought we knew this, this, and this, and this. But over the last 10, 11 years, God's had to dismantle a lot of the thought, things we thought we were in, but we weren't in. And, you know, we can play religion, we can do all that sort of thing, and yet not enter into all that he has for us. In actual fact, it's very liberating when you actually understand and you've come into that place of revelation that you're not in it, because that actually brings you into the freedom of actually saying, God, I don't know. I want to come into it. And so it actually brings life rather than death. 
But he's, he's, he's asking, he's telling us, have we actually entered into this rest? What is this rest? I didn't know what it was at one stage, but I'm coming more and more into it because it's so, everything starts off with this. It's so powerful. And what we have to make sure we grab hold of is the context for the fear is what Chris said, you haven't entered into rest. Okay, So there's an entering into this thing called Sabbath rest. He's saying, make sure you have. Why? How does entering into the rest and the finished work connect together? Because otherwise we will do our own thing. We will, we will think of our own plans and our own purposes and we'll follow after that and not his. When we follow after our own thing, we burn out, we get frustrated, we get disillusioned. But when we're doing what he's impressed upon our hearts, it becomes a real delight, it becomes a joy, and we can rest in it because he's the strength behind it, he's the power behind it. Can you imagine um, Noah building the ark the way he thought it would look like? And God never gave him a plan, but he thought he'd... he'd, Well, actually, God did give him a plan, but imagine him adding a few bits and pieces to it. You know what I mean? We can try and do that, but when God gives us something, sometimes it's so easy to add our little bit to it. And yet, actually, that's not what God wants. He wants us to follow his exact plan. So we need to come in to know that. Um, the, it, it's a whole different way of being. And um, so all life comes out of Christ. But that everything in him comes from him and through him and by him. And, and until our way of doing things and our strength and our own understanding and all that stuff is is brought to light for the futility that it is, then we are trying to enter things through our own way and our own understanding. And um, the, the everything is reliant on us being in Christ. And the, the entering his rest, as we'll see, is... That this transaction that happens on the inside of us where he frees us from us and that happens by the Spirit when we rest from our works, as he says later on. And it's not something that man can sort that out and figure out how to do that, but he has to reveal his ways because it's not... We're born of the Spirit and we have a, a taste of... The ways of God. We have a, a new reference point, but it's very easy for us to live, even though we've been born again of the Spirit, but we we can live from our own understanding and all the things that we've operated in prior to that. So our reference points are as wide as from the left to the right from the, the day we were born, and then we have this one reference point that is the Spirit, and the thing that is birthed by revelation that's come from the unseen realm, from the unseen one, and has been put into us, and that is the thing that he is he is going to um, cause life to come from that. But until we stop having our reference point and our whole ways of being from these other things, 
where we are not going to end his rest. And so we're not going to come into all the things that are coming, are, are being promised for us, this life within us that is not of this world. It's of of the unseen one. It is the actual life that's in God that no man has in himself. And so that it, it is massive. And I think the the fear is just like a, it, it's like, awake my soul. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like a wake up, wake up. And, and unless there are those kind of arresting things, we will never know that there is something more that we can't just understand in our minds. You know, we'll just go round and round in our old reference points and we'll never realise that there's a whole different world out there that is actually for us, which is all in Christ and we'll, as, as the others have said, we'll make up our own version and say, well, that must be what he means. But we actually don't have a, a reference for anything else. That's why you need to hear it from someone that has entered the rest, who is now speaking from that place, and you go like, whoa, that's so different from what my head is telling me. And now and I can see a demonstration of something that I know I don't have, you know? So then you, you come to this realisation, that's why we need each other and the gifts. Mm. And so just tonight, keep rest and predestined in front of your thinking. If you write it in your notes, rest and predestined because they are interconnected. Okay, There is a predestined finished from the foundation. It's done. Okay, So now I need to know what the rest is. Because unless I enter into the rest, like it says, if you come down to the middle of the page, Hebrews 4.10, for the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Okay? So all these passages are interconnected as one source. Okay? So then if you go have a look at Psalm 46.10, which is two, be- two below, cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will exalt in the earth. Okay, So unless you enter into his rest, it's not stop from your works so you can enter rest. It's enter into rest and you'll stop from your works. See the reverse engineering? We naturally go, I need a break, so I've got to have time off. And I'm going to hope I'm going to enter into something while I'm on sabbatical. As opposed to entering into more of Christ, because we'll look at who is the rest, and then I enter into that and I stop from my works. What are my works? What Sandra is saying, me trying to enter into this life. Me trying. My thinking, my way, not his way. So it's all about operating systems. So as I enter into this rest, I'm entering into life, and in that rest I start to learn and discover the way of heaven. So then I'm the recipient of everything that's in Christ. See, and this is why you need to know this predestined plan, because unless you can be still and know, how is he going to teach you? So Matthew, he says, come to me. 
because I want to give you something and learn from me. But when you can't be still because you haven't entered into his rest, even when you try to be still, your mind's going 100 miles an hour, correct? And you're thinking about everything you're not doing while you're being still. See, because you're actually not capable of being still because being still is connected to knowing God. And if I enter into rest, I know God because I'm entering into Christ, so then I can be still and let him teach me. What is he going to teach me? The predestined, finished plan. His heart for why he created us. His purpose behind it all. Not me trying to, in my own works, figure out what's the will of God for my life. What's the purpose for me? See, I can't be still. We're not wired to be still in our humanity. We're going to run around and functionally try to do everything and try to build the church and try to build, try and 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 build, and we get exhausted. And so we are in this back-to-front reality. And I just encourage you to go have a look at all of Hebrews 3 and 4, and we'll probably pull a bit more of it out tonight because when you understand that you know it says the word of God is living and active. Do you know where that is? In Hebrews 4.12. Straight after this warning about entering into something. So how do you enter into rest? Well, the word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword. It judges the hearts and the thoughts of the attitudes of the mind through the word, which is Christ, who is rest. So the word turns up. And it comes out and it starts to judge the thoughts and the attitudes and the intents of all our hearts, all our operating systems, our doings, our trying to enter into life, challenges our mindsets, what we believe, what we think, what we've maybe taught ourselves, and yet we seem stuck because although we have this knowledge, we're not entering into something because actually we're back to front. So come to me. You see why we've got to come to him? And he wants to give rest for what? Which is our... <laughs> the operating system of man. Our mind, our will, and our emotions. Come and give me your operating system so I can give you my mind, my will, and my truth. So then you can be still, and I can actually show you the unseen realm. You see, Martha was too busy with her own preparations and the disguises, but she's busy making lunch for Jesus. But Jesus never asked her to make lunch for him. He said, come and sit at my feet. No, 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 I'm busy doing works for you. You see, I don't know what it is to be still. I don't know how to be still like my sister Mary because that's not within me. All I know how to do is be busy for you. And there's a time when Jesus is going to ask us to do works but it ain't now. And the woman can't be still, so she tries to pull Mary into her realm. You've got to be so careful when you walk with people who can't be still because they'll try and pull you into their realm because you can become highly offensive because you actually start to expose them for where they're not at, but it's for the purpose that they repent and turn. And so that's why love covers but right in the middle of that is where it's won or lost. Okay, So this connection between rest and this predestined finished work, so it's there. We must enter into Christ, 
Sabbath rest. So what? So then God can start to teach us what this already finished work is that's in an unseen realm. But it's right in front of you. It's not there. It's coming out of my mouth right now. It's right in front of you. It gets spoken. Okay? Because they didn't hear it when it was spoken, did they? So the Israelites are getting the word of God. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us just as they also, but the word that they heard did not profit them. That's a problem. So if you don't hear the word that profits you, what don't you do? Enter into... If rest is discovered in the word and you can't hear the word, then you don't enter into rest, which means you are going to strive in your own strength and your own thinking to try and enter into life and you will do your own hidden. You'll be frustrated, disillusioned, blame people, point the finger. You'll actually make it about everyone else not realizing it's your own operating system that needs to die. But you can't kill it. So he says, hear the word. That'll do the work, not you. That sounds like a great plan. But you've got to hear the word. Thoughts, Sam? Yeah, I just think, you know, even we're talking about, this, to me, this is why he says, let us fear, because it is entirely possible to have had the word preached and it not profit, you know? And I just think about all of the ways that God did profit the Israelites, you know. He brought the whole, you know, the, the plagues on the whole nation and the blood of the lamb went on all of their door frames, you know. And he brought them all out through the Red Sea. And, you know, the, the, the waves came crashing in on the Egyptians. And, you know, he rescued them time and time again with incredible, incredible miracles and the promise that he had for them actually did profit them in so many ways, but not this way, you know? And I think to me, this is why he says, let us fear because there's a greater promise of entering his rest, of entering this promised land that's going to require more than what than what they knew, not from their action, but, for, you know, it, it doesn't say that they that they weren't capable enough so they didn't enter the promised land or they didn't try hard enough or they weren't invested enough or they weren't intelligent enough. It says that they weren't able to enter because of unbelief because when the word came, they chose to believe what they believed and not what he had said, you know. And so I think to me, we can be the same and receive, you know, we can receive the blood that cleanses and we can have miracles and we can, you know, be, you know, be part of a church community and part of a family, but ultimately there's something still, and it says that there's a promise that still remains for us to enter into. It's called his rest, you know? And so I think he he's urging this group of people, the Israelites, on and using them as an example and say, guys, out of a whole nation, they were the Israelites were in a, uh, an entire nation of promise but only of the whole nation, only two actually inherited that promise, you know? And and we're this, we are a people of promise, and the promises are for us, but we need to enter into those promises and inherit them by faith. 
And the reason why these guys are written, and Jackie, I feel like you articulated that so well before, it's, it's not to say that, that God isn't going to do what he's faithful to do. It's saying, guys, just learn from their example so you don't repeat the same behavior that they did because what they missed out on, you're not to miss out on, you're to enter into, you know? And so we're not to repeat the same mistakes. And there's no reason why we should, having had them as an example, you know? Um, And now having had the Holy Spirit poured out who can actually impart this born again, resurrected life, this rest of God being implanted in us by the power of the Holy Spirit, you know? So there's so much potential and opportunity for us to enter into what it was that was promised yeah it's um it's quite amazing when i remember arthur katz talking about um something about very few christians know how to actually wait upon the lord and he said that was an issue because when christians don't wait upon the lord they will always act out of impulse out of um their own desire out of, you know, they have to fulfill this um, or this, this own satisfaction about doing stuff, you know, and they don't actually wait. But he said, you know, everything from God is birthed out of rest. Everything, every work of God is birthed out of rest. It's not birthed out of our compulsion or out of our having to do something or anything like that. And, of course, that question about is who is building the church? Is a classic one, and most most people would put their hands up and say, "Well, we're doing this, we're doing that, and like that." But as we've discovered, it's actually not us who builds it; it's God that builds it, and we can't get His plans and purposes unless we're actually still before Him, so that we can hear it. There's something about resting, and something that God showed me right at the beginning of lockdown, and that was, when did the children of Israel receive the manna? When did they receive it? In the wilderness, yes. But what time? In the morning, yeah. But while they, the manna was placed on the ground where? At night. So in the morning, they came out of a place of rest to gather the food of heaven. Later they thought, oh, well, that's not, you know, we want something a bit more... You know, this heavenly stuff is not good enough. We want more, you know. So they got meat, but they had to toil after it. They had to go running after these little critters and we'll catch them. You know what I mean? One came from heaven, and it was birthed out of rest. One was birthed out of toil, chasing these things. So it's the same thing with us. The heavenly food that God's got on offer for us comes when we're in a place of rest and we're able to eat it and consume it. Just want to touch on something Sam said and Chris sort of mentioned just so it's real clear because it's the way that keeps us out of life. So we can operate exactly like the Israelites and be in their way. So it's the way that needs to get demolished. Okay, So they saw miracles. It was all outside of them, wasn't it? And you and I can experience miracles outside of us, but not experience the greatest miracle, which is when Christ comes into you and changes your entire inside that now enables you to live out what he instructs. So this element of fear isn't, because there's, you know, there's 
to fall into the hands of a living God is fearful. Okay? So there is a fear that is in Christ, is in God. Us knowing it's not a fear for punishment, it's to awaken us like we're talking about. But if we don't surrender our way, then we're going to continue in our way. And so like it says here in 2 Corinthians 5, when it's all about the temporal and the eternal, and Paul says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. So Paul knew a judgment was coming for how the church lived. Because of that, he was trying to persuade through declaring the word, hoping that people would hear there's a judgment coming for the way we live, which means then you look at your life and you put the mirror up and you go, am I Christ-like? Am I living as Christ lived? Am I in the way? the truth and the life, the person, not a process? Am I actually in this so I've entered in so I don't come short of this rest? Because the writer, I think it's in 8 or 9, says be diligent to enter. Like there's a real serious call, be diligent to enter this rest. Almost like do everything, know that this is a first so to not enter into this is to not start at the right place. Now, if you haven't, it's okay, but you've got to come back. And in coming back, you have a reference for not being in it, which helps you come back, which means nothing's wasted, just to pick on what Jackie was saying, because now you have a reference for something you're not, you weren't in. Okay? And this is what really matters, because in Isaiah 46, 9 to 10, just in your notes, Remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning. That is so back to front to our natural way. So if we don't enter into rest and put all our way down, that will, whatever, I'll never know the end. If God is the God who declares the end, from the beginning, and we're not entered into rest, we're going to try and figure this all out and we'll never enter into the reality of what he's saying. Are you hearing that? Then he says, saying, my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. So God is working in accordance to his word. Yeah? It's not like he waits for us. He's building his church. It's whether we are entering into the word his way or whether we are on the outside of that still having yet entered in and recipients of all the life that's in him. Because when they entered into the promised land, the people that did, not the ones that all died, what did they receive? Cities they didn't build. Vineyards they didn't plant, cisterns they didn't dig. Does that sound like the way of heaven that I give you because you've entered into rest and now you're waiting to receive? 
rather than you running around digging cisterns, planting vineyards and building cities. That is so opposite to us, isn't it? The natural way of man, because no one gives you anything for free. You've got to earn it. You've got to work hard. You've got to put in the effort and the time and the energy. And then you read this, work out your salvation. And you've got to hear that through the lens of the Spirit. Because there is a working of the Spirit in God which you strive from because you've entered the rest. Okay? And that defines all this here. Because if we haven't entered the rest, we'll still be trying to figure it out. So when God says, guys, I declare the end, we need to start at the end, the back of the book. Yeah? We're going to start there. So what's at the back of the book that we need to know if we're going to start at the beginning well? Like if you just had a, a novel and I said, how does the book finish? And you haven't read it, where would you go? To the back of the book. If you're watching a movie and you want to have the movie finishes, where do you go? To the end of the movie. Today I want to see a little who won the game because I was running out of time. Yeah. <laughs> so it's already finished. Are you hearing? It's a done. It is written. You don't have to work it out. You just have to see it. And he whispers, this is the word, this is the word, this is the word. And it starts at the end. Now, predominantly, general statement, I was told, I was told by leadership not to preach the back of the book. Leadership. Leadership. Don't preach the back of the book. Why? Uh, it's scary. You know what the person said? It doesn't build the church. Do you know what the back of the book actually starts by saying? Blessed are those who read and take to heart the words in this book. Anyone that messes with it ain't good. What's at the back of the book that starts how we live? And we need to know. Otherwise, we might just waste our lives trying to trying to work out something that's already been finished, right? You know, as opposed to seeing what's been done so that we can live from it. You know, it's an entirely different position. And I and I love what you're saying about the way. You know, because I think what what I see in here is that it's not enough just to be a good Christian person doing good right things you know like he's he's not talking about that he's talking about an entire way of operating that starts from him in us and and then comes out and works you know it's and I, and this is what i read in in james it's not just works and it's not just faith it's it's faith and when you have the ability to see what's in the unseen realm, and then you live from it, you'll do heavenly, eternal works that are motivated by his spirit and come from him as opposed to being led in and of yourself because of something that you've dreamt up or, or, or thought up, you know? And so this way of God, I think, it, almost like in, in Hebrews here, it's a dividing line, right? You know, it's like 
there's a reward for those who are in his way and there's potentially loss for not, you know? And the loss is the reward. It's not the loss of your salvation, meaning your justified state. Okay, It's the loss of the reward. Jesus is coming back with a reward. He's going to reward those, just read it out, who live in accordance to their deeds, their righteous acts that have been found from fellowship and by faith. So every work is by faith, yeah? Not by function or by feelings, by faith. Well, to know a work by faith, one must be in fellowship with the one who's going to give you the work to do. And so this is, this is where Romans 8, 28 to 30 comes in, which is just in your notes. Okay? And we know that God causes all things to work together for good in accordance to two things. See how God is based everything on conditions once you're in him. So God works all things together for good to those who love him to those who are called according to his purpose. So God's working everything out in accordance to his own purpose. Not necessarily your purpose or what you think it should be, but his purpose. Okay. Then he goes on, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren, and these whom he predestined, he called. And these whom he called, he also justified, and these whom he justified, he also glorified. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed into the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn of He's your brother. The Christ is your saviour, but he's your brother. He's the firstborn of what you and I to look like because we've been predestined to be conformed into his image. Now, does that start with signs and wonders outside of you? You can have all that and nothing happens inside of you. You can see people raised from the dead. You can lay hands on. You can raise people and be a mess on the inside because it's the inside that God wants to conform into the image of his son. The inside of Christ, God wants on the inside of us. Christ in us is the hope of glory. We are to be the vessels that carry the glory of God. Well, you can only do that if Christ is being formed in you, okay? And it's being predestined. So all and everything is predestined. So because it's predestined, let me now start with the church being predestined so they get conformed into the image of the Son so they understand the entirety of what's predestined. It's very hard to understand what's predestined if you're not being conformed. Because you're not living from rest, which is Christ, you live from you. And once again, we're back to being living from stress, and you can't be still, and you can't know God, because as soon as you try and have some quiet time, 
what am I doing? What am I not doing? Oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, I got my plan, I got my plan. And your own life, isn't that what it is? Let's be honest, that's what you're thinking about, eh? Your own life. Well, that's the life you should have lost. Now, I'm not saying we don't go to work, I'm not saying we don't have family, I'm not saying that. But the challenge is, if we're being conformed into Christ's literal image, then we can be still. And the Father will teach us and show us, he will show us this. Because that's the role of the Holy Spirit. But he waits for a people group who can wait because they're entered into rest and he can reveal the finished work. And that's what caught Peter and all the disciples out. No, we're supposed to see things exactly the same because we only there's only one mind and it's called the mind of Christ. It's not the mind of Greg and the mind of Warren. Absolutely. That's the purpose why we're given the Holy Spirit. Who can know the thoughts of God but God himself? So he gives the Holy Spirit to show us and reveal his mind in us because I guarantee you right now, we're not all of the same mind because that's the process. Now, we'll be on that process, hopefully, to have one mind. Isn't that what the word says? We're to have one mind, the same mind, which is our minds or his mind. So if we have his mind, you know what we're seeing? Everything in him. You see it as he sees it. It's no longer two, it's one. Why? Because he's giving you his mind. It's not, you know, it's, not, it's not a quiz. It's really easy. If you have his mind, you see his mind. Just like you have your mind, you see your mind. But there's a relinquishing, isn't there? There's an entering into something. There's got to be a handover of what I think's right and my ways and a putting them down and a turning and then entering into rest, which is spiritual Sabbath rest, which is active, not passive. And now I'm postured and positioned to go, teach me, Holy Spirit. Write this on my heart and my mind, because now I'm posturing myself ready, because I understand my way wasn't cutting it. See, the reason why we're not in life is because we're not in the way. The way of God produces the life of God. That's what it says. And that can be hard to hear. But you have to be able to hear it and go, that's for me. Otherwise, we'll never be in the life he destined us to predestined in his finished work because we fight the way. And insecurity and fear gets in the way. See, And so then we go around the mountain again. It's just this. Because we go, no, come back. Same thing. No, come back. And that's part of the challenge, and that's why we have to walk this out together. And that's why these passages are so pertinent, because they're the framework for the picture. So this, what we're looking at, is literally the framework. 
that the pitch is going to sit inside. Yes. Yep. Yep. And so we're called to hear that, see that, but there's a work before that we've got to enter into his rest because he needs to be the one that reveals all that. We cannot teach ourselves this stuff. That's why my hope is, of all things, it's not even that you guys see this, it's that you turn to him and he starts to actually show you it all. Because if we're trying to understand this through what we're saying, you'll never see it because you can't teach yourself it. You actually have to come emptied, naked, with nothing. He goes, right, now you're ready. You entered into rest and now you're ready. Okay. So we're going to stop there and we're going to have some discussion for half an hour. Is that cool?